0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the HTML All The Things podcast, episode number 10, CSS Transitions and Animations. I'm your host, Matt Lawrence, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Mike Coran. What have you been up to this week, Mike?
1: Yeah, hey, Matt. Uh, So this week has been a little bit more focused on HTML All The Things. uh, I'm almost done the next part of the Vue.js tutorial. Uh, it's going to focus a little more on dynamically building pages using the components that we created in the first tutorial. Um, you'll be able to kind of play around with some JSON, and the JSON will structure your page based on some hooks that we put in. But uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. That's probably going to be re- releasing sometime at the end of this week. Um, and then, other than that, I've been the client work has been pretty steady, so we've, I've been pretty pretty busy all most of the time because kind of split my day now between html all the things and client work um focusing on redesigning this uh, one camera application that we have so other than that that's it what about you matt
0: sounds like uh sounds like a busy week but it's always good that when you get uh, more more of that html all the things stuff going right because that vue.js guide was was liked by many even i have it legitimately bookmarked as we've discussed before the show so yeah, like, yeah. Give, give give that a look if you have not done that yet Uh, But my week has been a little bit of client work. As we said last week, it's kind of like, it's kind of like patter, like, you know, petering down, uh, did a couple of updates for some clients and that's kind of it because my focus is on HTML, all the things, uh, one of the things I think we've discussed is that, you know, we've kind of figured out our social media strategy. So we're just sort of enacting that now, uh, and just kind of moving forward with that. So that's one, one thing and you'll kind of hopefully see more consistency, on our socials just like more content on there so give that a go for sure um as we said it before we also have a patreon that's brand new so patreon.com/html all the things go check out the tiers and uh, give that a go and uh, a brand new thing this week that i uh, created was uh, a subreddit so we're on we're on reddit now uh, reddit.com/r/ uh, slash slash HTML, all the things, and so what we basically want that to be is we're obviously going to be sharing our links in there. Right now, there's just literally a single link in there to Mike's Vue.js guide. Um, However, we want that to sort of be a place where people share their work and, you know, get a conversation going, talk about typography... Talk about you know coding something, developing something. Talk about new frameworks, like the whole spectrum, web dev, web design, the whole thing. Let's get a conversation going. So feel free to you know subscribe to that, share your work, share your links, whatever. There's full rules in there and everything, so make sure you read those before posting. And that's basically yeah, yeah, we're trying to get a got, trying to get a bit of a community going. So that so this is the very beginnings of that, um, and th- and actually the creating of the subreddit will come up in our web news section for today as well as uh, Mike heard from me there's there's a bit it's a bit of a disaster creating a <laughs> subreddit these days so but we'll oh, get yeah. into that we'll get into that later but uh, basically what we're gonna be covering I'll do the our traditional kind of rundown is what we're doing so obviously we're doing CSS transitions and animations and basically what we're doing is just that transitions versus animations so you know which ones do you use why you use them what's the differences etc obviously because we're doing more advanced stuff like more than just laying things out we need to keep uh, performance in mind so we need to talk about you know what, sh- what what notable things you should do for performance and what kind of pitfalls you could fall into with performance and also I want to I want to like kind of full disclaimer it that for the most part I use transitions I do use transitions and animations but I mostly use transitions so what a lot of this is going to be is us discussing our experience and uh, some stuff from other articles uh, regarding transitions and animations. And what I want to do is actually try to kind of look up and work with transitions and more specifically animations. Cause I use that the least out of the two uh, use animations more and kind of try to enhance my experience with it and uh, get better. And maybe you'll see some of that on medium or on the social, or maybe even a future podcast episode. But we have several segments and several sub-segments this week, so I'll go over the main segments as we always do. Segment number one, transitions versus animations, with a bunch of sub-segments in there. Segment number two, which is how transitions and animations approve UX. Segment number three is performance. Segment number four is animation frameworks. And then, of course, the recurring recurring segment, web news, inconsistencies, and separation. And as I said... You'll get you'll, we'll get an interesting conversation going there because it was a bit of a bit of a rage fueled one before the show. So, <laughs> so um, we'll get going there. But we'll jump right into the first segment and I'll cover that one. Um One thing I do want to mention is that I did use uh, for reference. I did use an Adobe Press article named uh, "Transition or Animation: Which One You Should Use." I'm going to have a link to that in the show notes and you have to kind of click through the pages like it's different pages for each actual page of the article so just something to keep in mind there but i basically use that to sort of brush up on just my official terminology in case you guys want to google some of the stuff as well as just to make sure i didn't forget anything going forward so uh anyway to without further ado let's move into the first subsection here so we're going to do a brief overview of transitions so what is a transition so basically transitions are set off by a trigger they run forward or they like start and run right to the end when a trigger is active and then they do reverse so they go backwards through the transition uh when the trigger is removed and you can choose a property that is changed um and how and how long it takes to change so for example if you wanted to change the uh, the, the color of a, of a box shadow on something that's, that's what you would do. You would, you know, define, I want to change the box shadow and I want to change its color. And then you can say, Oh, I want it to change over a two second period. That's how you do that. Um, a common trigger that I use, and I'm sure everyone else will use is of course hover. I use that probably 99% of the time, but there's also a bunch of other ones. Uh, some of these I've actually, uh, never used myself, but they were from the article, as I said, so they are link, active visited focus checked and disabled i have used a few of these some of them i haven't but those are some of the other kind of triggers that come into come into play there's also some additional properties you can use in, use like people will use like ease in ease out ease in out so to kind of like smooth it over kind of thing and you'll kind of see that effect if you're experimenting with transitions uh moving forward um so i have a common use case here so of course common use case would be you hover over a button. So let's say the button originally has a box shadow and it has like a light gray box shadow and you want the shadow to get darker. So one way to do that is to literally change the color from the light gray to black, let's say with a bit of an opacity. So you would say your initial state. So the start is light gray and then on the hover. So there's your trigger. You, you then want the box shadow color to turn to black. And then once the hover is done, it transitions from the black back to the light gray and so, those are like the trigger and non triggered states. If you notice, there's only two states with transitions, and that's very key for when, you know, sort of selecting whether you want transitions and animations, which kind of segues us into the next subsection here, which is a brief overview of animations. So, animations uh, are very similar to transitions. However, they offer fine control over changing properties. They can run in a loop, they can run forwards, they can run backwards, they can stop, they can pause. Uh, they can control, you can control an entire animation via their keyframes. So you can have stages like, let's say, uh, for half of the animation. So for half of the time, you want an object to move left, and then you want it to change color, and then you want it to move back really quick. So you can, you could do that in an animation, uh, you, but you cannot do that. You cannot have that sort of control within a transition. Uh, you can also, uh, or one thing to know, I should say is, in, a, in an animation, because of this fine control, typically there is more coding required. So it's not like an awful lot, like it's CSS still, right? It's a lot of CSS and maybe some JS if you're doing some more fine control. But, you know, just keep that in mind. If it can be completed with a transition, you might as well just do it with a transition. And also one other thing I got that I thought was interesting and I noted from the article, as I mentioned, was it's uh, more difficult to actually manipulate, uh, manipulate an animation with JavaScript, because you're naming your animation, whatever you want, like you're naming your animation, you know, fade in box or something like that. Whereas with a transition, you, you're using like intrinsic or sort of like default values where you can easily just say, usually just address the properties of an object, the CSS properties of an object from the CSS. So, you know, it's, it's doable, but just, it's just something to know if you can use a transition kind of do it. So then that, that's a perfect segue actually into what to use and when. So I kind of have this broken down into even further segments here. So I have animations must be used when you, and I have a list here, when you need multiple stages. So it's like, that was the one example I used. So if something happens halfway through or specifically near the end or the speed changes or you want to introduce, you know more and more and more pieces of an animation like you want it to flip then change color change the font size like a whole bunch of things you need though and you need the stages at different times this is when you use animations you also you also need to use animations if you require the ability to start stop or pause an animation you also need to run also if you need to run the animation forwards and backwards so as we said transitions do run forwards and backwards but it runs forwards when the trigger state is is engaged. And then it when you remove the trigger, it automatically reverses. It goes backwards. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Is if you need sometimes for the backwards to be triggered upon a button click. Or something like that. Chances are, you're going to need an animation. Also, if you need precision control. So like I said, you want halfway through the animation you want the text to suddenly suddenly get bigger and then in the last second of the animation you want the text to get smaller than it was and then you want all this like crazy stuff happening like because it really really varies on what you're doing if you want that type of precision control which is done via keyframes then you need animations guaranteed um so then moving on from that then so when when should transitions be used basically so When you want to basically do something simple... So if you want a simple trigger animation... Remember... Two states... Triggered or not triggered... Basically it's... You don't need advanced control... You need something easy like... Easy and typically common... Like a button hover effect... Or a menu sliding out from the side... Like you know... You click the Navicon... The menu comes out... From uh, kind of off the screen there... Kind of slides in from the left... Or slides in from the right... And also my personal opinion here... Is when I was starting out... I tried to use animations first... Because I saw they were more advanced... And this was when I was really just starting out with HTML and CSS, and they started to confuse me a little bit. So what I did was I went to the easier uh, and more commonly used in my itinerary, actually, transitions. I started using that because they were easier, and I started trying, you know, starting to get into the groove. And then I realized during, I forget which project exactly, but I realized I was like, hmm, I need this animation to be more than just, you know, my box shadow grew or my color changed. I need it to be more than that you know, quick Google reveals, hey, you need to start using animations now. And I was able to to transition from transitions to animations rather easily. It was just a little easier for myself. So maybe if you're just getting started because transitions are easier, I would suggest you actually use uh, transitions first. That's my personal opinion there. And something to note as well, You can actually call an animation kind of like how you would a function. So like I said, you kind of create your animation uh, with your keyframes and you can call it whatever you want, you know, button hover effect or button fade in or whatever. And what you do is if you have a standard button effect, so let's say you, you, you call your animation button fade in and you have a standard animation for when buttons fade in throughout the entire site rather than writing in your transition over and over and over again on every single button or applying the same class you could you could call essentially call that animation or run that animation on your various elements it just really kind of depends how you have your css set up and how you know you've done it so far just to try to remove some of that redundancy you may want to use an animation because it's i i almost equate it in my own head to Uh, a javascript function almost where you can just call it and be like hey this element let's run the button fade in for example Um, because a lot of a lot of places will have you know the same fade in the same fade out the same slide in or slide out animations so if you can do it once and just kind of call it might be easier for you in that way but remember does require more properties and more settings and more of that but once it's done it's done so just something to keep in mind um, unless Mike has any any comments on this, I think I'm going to pass it off to him for the second segment because that concludes the first one. There.
1: Yeah, so uh, yeah, I think you covered that really well, Matt. Um, I don't have a super large amount of experience with animations and transitions, but I definitely do use them. Uh, I just just off the top of my head, recently when I was doing that uh, hat template, I think I think I used an animation because we were using keyframes for that, uh, and it, it turned out pretty awesome. So. Um, that I think that's kind of like just a flashy way of doing it, and that's what I what I wanted it from that uh, template point of view. Right, so, right. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just going to move on to actually the segment called "How Transitions and Animations Improve UX." So the reason I'm doing this segment is um, not because I have a huge amount of experience with it, but because one of my next projects is going to really keep this in mind. Uh, I'm I'm not going to be really the one that's going to choose when to use the transitions and animations but I'll definitely be implementing them but I I do have a very close relationship with the designer that's going to be uh like developing these animations and deciding when to use them and she she's kind of helped me understand some of these topics a little more as the t- as time goes on and I definitely will understand it more maybe the next time we do an episode on animation so stay tuned for that but I'm just going to give you a nice quick overview of uh my own experience, and a, a little bit also from an article that I found on Medium, which we will also link in the uh, in the show notes. So, the first thing is build with animation in mind. So I fully understand this because when you uh, when you add animations in later, like if you were just like building a static site, and then you're like, oh shoot, I forgot to add animations in. It's going to feel kind of half baked. It's not going to feel like the animations are naturally there for a reason. It's going to be more they're there because just you wanted to put them there, even though you think that like uh, you added them for some sort of a reason. Usually, when you do it in, in, as an afterthought, it's not a good idea. Uh, another, another example of that would be like when you're designing a navigation a navigation gesture platform uh, people know that swipe left and swipe right do, do different things. And if you add an animation to that, when you're doing it, uh, you can save a little bit of space on your screen for maybe not putting such a big back button and maybe not putting menu buttons everywhere. Uh, because you know that the user will just do the the swipe animation, just like they do on their phone all the time. Uh, so you're saving space like that in a mobile menu that that's a, that's a big reason why you want to build with animation in mind. Um, so let's go with the next topic, which would be, uh, don't add just, just to be don't add an animation just to be flashy add it with purpose Mm -hmm. so uh purposes could be like showing content is interactable so having a content light up as your as your as your mouse moves over it or when you're when you're scrolling having content pop in and kind of vibrate in place to show that it's it's clickable uh and then you can also do something like showing that something is occurring so like a loading bar or or maybe like a stack coming down from the top or from the, bo- or from the bottom to show that it's loading. Then you can show it being finished by just, like, kind of flashing or something like that. Or There's many ways to show these things, but it's important to kind of use those animations, use animations to get a point across to the user. Um, make, and you can also use it to make a user focus on something important. So, for instance, your page loads, maybe makes content bounce a little bit that that you want people to look at right away, because right as the page is finished loading, if something's bouncing, you know, that's going to catch the user's eye. Uh, using using stuff like that don't again don't overuse it don't be like oh my god i don't I, i'm gonna put animations everywhere let's put animations in the nav bar the middle the, the bottom all at the same time you know the user's not going to be able to process all that and it's just going to confuse them uh, the other thing is you're gonna you're gonna have issues with uh, performance as well so make sure you keep that in mind that'll be actually be the next segment that matt will cover but uh, he'll get to that soon so other than that, there's uh, don't overwhelm the user as well. So that's it's kind of the same the same thing, but uh, just just make sure that they have the right focus. So the when when you do an animation, make sure the user focuses on just the one animation. Don't go don't go crazy with it. Like I was saying, don't put it in in, in every single uh, in every single element of your of your page. Um, also another, another big thing is don't make the animation run too long either. So if you have like a loading animation, make sure it's actually using some sort of progress bar from the JavaScript code. Don't just put a progress bar just for the sake of a progress bar. Uh, because a user is going to want everything to happen fast. If they see an animation, even if it's the best animation they've ever seen, they're going to be a little bit upset because they have to do it probably many times, and they're going to be like, "Well, why is it taking the same amount of time every time? Why is it so long? When you could have just done it like a real quick flash or something like that?" So keep animations really short, as short as they need to be, um, and to, to prove the point that you're trying to do. Don't extend them just to extend them to be flashy. Um, and the last thing that I want to kind of talk about is keep animations consistent with the associated gesture or click. So an associated gesture would be something like sliding between tabs. Uh, so if you're sliding between tabs, kind of give like that, that, that motion of, of the sliding panels. So that's, that would be like a transition or an animation of just sliding panels, um, keep keep those kinds of keep those kinds of things in mind when developing. So don't don't just make it so that oh uh you you swipe up at the top and then all of a sudden something on the bottom happens. A user's gonna get confused real quick. So adding adding those animations to your gestures will make it very easy for the user to understand the gesture and then to use it over and over again. Also keeping the gestures consistent with gestures they already know like swiping uh, like scrolling stuff like that if if they already know how to do that if they've if they've done it through their their phone like if their phone has those new animation gestures in uh in ios and android's now adopting them as well where you know pull up to go home maybe you can add those in uh to your to your application that's kind of a new thing that's happening so you could easily have an indication that it is there but maybe you have a cookie in there and if they've done it so many times get get rid of that indication and people will just instinctively start doing it if they use their application for long enough um keep in mind again that the application has to also correspond with the operating system running on it so if you're going to have a home gesture that swipes up from the bottom make sure it swipes up from the bottom not from the very bottom because that's where like the ios gesture is so make it a little bit higher indicate that that's where it is initially and uh, go from there Um, Another good another good indicator for an animation is when you tap, there's like a little like a, a pebble just dropped in water. Uh, I really like that animation. I think definitely we'll be using that in the next application that we develop. So I just wanted to mention it. Uh, it's kind of a, a cool indicator that, yeah, you did something, right? The user likes to know that they've done something. They don't like it when they click, in it, they click on it and something's happening in the background. They don't know that, that they've done it or they click on it and an instant transition transition happens and throws them into a different screen that they're not ready for. Uh, users like to know that they're, they're interacting with your application, not just using it. Um, but yeah, other than that, that's my quick little rundown of when and how to use or how to use the transitions and animations to improve the user, your user experience. So it's not too in depth. Like I said, uh, I don't have the most experience with this, but I think these kinds of like base, this kind of base knowledge will really help you in the future. So I am hoping, hoping that, uh, you'll, you'll take it into account with your next application. Uh, but other than that, unless Matt again has any uh, comments on this section, this segment, I'm gonna pass it off to him.
0: Uh, yeah, so I do. I do actually have a, a comment. The first thing that came to mind when you you mentioned that first part, the build with animation in mind, or also mm-hmm. kind of feels half baked after, it, it's really reminiscent to me, and it's kind of rare nowadays. But when phones started getting websites, a lot of a lot of sites, especially older ones, even at that time, was a lot of just text and and images so and a lot of it was tables actually so realistically speaking it was relatively easy to make them responsive but what would happen is is the one thing that isn't really responsive is the nav bar it's yeah. one of the most interactable parts of a site just like especially just like a static you know text site or even mm-hmm. just like a like a news site so one of the things i i'd seen in the past is you know the like a real basic text site, you know, a few images, maybe it's a really old blog and then like a really modern material design navbar comes in. And it's really like it works, but it's really weird. Like it looks very strange and it's off-putting. It's like I shouldn't yeah. notice your navbar, like I should use it and the na- the animations should almost subconsciously enhance it. Mm-hmm. But I shouldn't I shouldn't see and be like, "Whoa, that's a modern navbar."
1: Yeah, that's the thing I was saying with the the the, that's half baked, right? Like, so half of the website, it's it's almost jarring to see like all this old design technology, and then all of a sudden a new design plopped on top of it. Yeah, and that's actually something
0: something to mention too. Is is we've had clients approach us and they'll say, hey, we want to retrofit our current site. Sometimes you have to kind of say no, and sometimes you have to really you know kind of stick like like stick to that opinion and say, hey guys, like this is not a good idea. Like I don't think that we should be retrofitting this. We should be. We should be straight up just doing it like, you know what I mean? We should be straight up redoing this because I'm sure a lot of those guys are probably trying to keep the cost down Mm -hmm. and either install the nav bar that themselves or they hired somebody and said, hey, I need this to be responsive, but I don't want to like pay more than 200 bucks or something. So it's like just one of those things. So it's just something to keep in mind. Also the uh the don't, don't overwhelm users with animations. That's another good thing is is I kind of mentioned it there is. An animation should be enhancing the experience but almost subconsciously. I shouldn't be like, "Whoa, that's a cool animation." Cuz you could you imagine, could you imagine like having a really flashy but like 2-second animation every single time a page changed.
1: Yeah, yeah. it would it would drive me crazy
0: because especially if it's like a data site where you're trying to get the data off of it Mm -hmm. for whatever reason you're trying to collect the data you're trying to use the trying to press the download button whatever you're trying to do on there if you're using it for work and it's it's you know it's animating every couple of seconds or it's animating for too long where it's like i just want to click this download button come on you know yeah so just one of those things to kind of keep in mind with with your animations i think that's kind of a, a key a key thing that you mentioned there um so moving on i think to segment number three performance so Performance because we're starting to do sort of more elegant things when you get into transitions and to animations. It's more you're getting into the more advanced features. I would say of the HTML, CSS, JS spectrum kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you, so too many transitions, of course, or very complex animations can cause serious, like very serious performance problems, like rendering problems, especially especially in older browsers, especially in old in slower devices. And then you get the double whammy where you have the guy that has an old device that can't update the browser because the browser's lost support. So now you got an old browser, an old device, and it's it's a bit of a mess there. So another thing to kind of mention with that, though, is that the browser will run animations better over time. So... The first run might be very slow or glitchy. Like, let's say you click a button and a menu flies in. Maybe it skips, like, the first three frames or it jitters or it messes around. Like, it's not good. It's not 60 FPS. It's not smooth. This is really easy to overlook because if you're if you're developing something, you know, you're constantly testing it. Maybe you're going to click that button five, six times to see the animation. And the first time it's going to glitch, the next, you know, five, six times it isn't. And you're going to be like, whoa, it, you know, it's running fine. And then at that point, it's very, very easy to overlook the fact that it's actually messing up the first time. So that that's a that's a really big kind of red flag for first of all new users and second of all that those people I just mentioned that have the older and the slower browsers, right? You can only support back so far. I understand that. If someone is demanding that they use Windows XP and they and they want to use the latest version of Chrome if that it that's supported on there or whatever browser that's supported on there and maybe support ended 4 years ago. Like there's a point in which you have to unfortunately cut people off or you're never going to advance so you know keep that in mind but you know to make sure that especially your first your first time user guys don't get that really awkward little glitch because your browser is like your browser is like running it better it's like caching it a bit you know maybe it's the device you know clearing its ram to make sure that the page has enough has enough uh you know computing power assigned to it that type of thing whatever the device is so like your animation is going to get smoother so one thing that we will do and, and we had this problem I think it was on list by design maybe a couple other ones but one thing that we do do is we we open up a fresh in a fresh this is a very key a fresh incognito window because it will also start to get that effect where it starts running animations better so it's like you open a fresh incognito window and then you run your animation and you ensure that it runs good the first time and you do that like 10 times so you you close you close out all the incognito windows now all that cache and all that's gone you then open another incognito window and you do it again and you do it again you keep doing that a fresh one because otherwise like i said it'll open up it'll get that cache the cpu and everything like all like the os whatever it's running will start assigning more resources to it so ensure that you do that because you want that first impression to be nice especially if your animation is like on on intro i can't i can't even count the amount of times i've been to a site where you know, it's a classic product site where they have an app or something and the the site's more or less a business card. And you go there and it's like a big flashy banner or a big flashy video or a big flashy animation followed by, you know, your classic, oh, here's all the people, companies we've worked with. Here's Here's our editorials. Come, you know, come download our app. That type of thing, the one pagers, that original big bold video or animation or whatever if that's really glitchy and i've seen it happen if that's really glitchy and buggy and it's not due to my connection speed you know it's a bad it's kind of a bad first impression it's like oh that kind of runs like garbage you know what i mean so just something to keep in mind just don't jar people with it wow people with it if you can so that's just something uh something that we learned and when i say incognito window that's sort of the 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 chrome equivalent to opening up like a private browser so you know it's different per browser but you you get you get my meaning no cache no nothing that's what you, that's what you do Um, so like I said, thorough testing, um, in addition to that though, you should also be doing the fresh incognito test on different devices, whether that be on an older phone of some sort, maybe like an, maybe it's like the last phone that you support, you know, have one of them kicking around. They're probably only like a hundred bucks or something, or you can even borrow one off a friend that used to have one, you know, test it on there. Make sure that the, the lowest device that you want to support is getting at least decent FPS, you know, if you're getting 30 FPS because the GPU and that thing just can't handle it, then it just can't handle it, but at least it's smooth 30, or at least it's usable, right? Because the people, also another thing is that the people using those older devices, they know because they have an older device that things don't run perfectly. But if yours runs good, maybe not perfect, but good, or if you make it run perfect, which would be awesome then that's like something that that's like a pro for them, right? So, and and you might, you might even impress some people if you're working in an enterprise environment where they don't update all the time. So that's just one thing. Um, Now we have some, I call them quote unquote hacks, but you know, you take them as you will. So basically what we're trying to do is we're trying to get hardware acceleration working. So a lot of guys and myself included will turn off hardware acceleration in the browser by default. So it doesn't really need, you know, hardware acceleration, but sometimes you need it. You know, if you have a lot of animations, you need that hardware acceleration. You need the GPU to kick in and start to render what you're doing. So to do that, you can kind of, in your CSS, you can use things like the... Again, I personally call them hacks. It's like the Translate 3D hack where you have the the Translate 3D uh, property in in one of your elements and in the element that you're animating or maybe on the body or whatever depending on your use case and it doesn't actually do anything it's like you know translate 3d 000 it's not actually translating but the instant that the browser sees hey i need to do a 3d animation here i need to do a 3d translate here or if you do translate Z or translate z um if you do one of those the browser will kick in and like you know the in our case or in the case i'm talking about the computer will or even the phone will ask the GPU, hey, I need some help, I need you to render this, and of course, the GPU, especially if it's dedicated, is a lot more powerful than just your processor trying to do it, so that's like, a, that's like one little, like I said, quote-unquote hack, and then I just read about today, because as I said, I use transitions a lot, um, but I don't use animations a heck of a lot, so I just read today, as I was slipping through, doing a little research for the show, and one, uh, there was somebody that mentioned that the the uh, will-change property, the will-change property in CSS is sort of the future. And so Translate 3D and Translate Z or Translate Z appear to be, you know, the older way to do it. And, you know, some browsers will need to have those those properties instigated if they don't understand the will-change. But it's an article by, I hope I'm saying this name properly, Jose uh, Rosario on Medium. I'm going to link that in the Show notes and I and I also actually tweeted it out on our Twitter. So go give that a go if you want to take a look. But he goes through how to make uh how to get animations to be 60 fps, you know, really really nice. And he really breaks down all the pieces and all the bits. And he shows the charts as to like oh, there's a bottleneck here. We need to make these like it's it's a really good breakdown. So I suggest you go and uh, take a peek at that. And that's definitely something that I'm going to be reading more than because I just skimmed through it. I'm actually going to be reading through that to enhance my animation skills kind of moving forward so definitely go and give that a go um i think that's it for performance and i think uh i think i can actually toss it over to mike for the uh for the fourth segment here uh give it a go mike unless you have any comments on the last one of course
1: yeah uh just a quick comment um with jQuery animation since we've we've had experience with like the native ones i just want to provide some a little bit of my experience with jQuery so Initially, it was just like a fade out, fade in animation that I was doing, and um, when I took over the project, it was using jQuery, and we noticed that it was really like it kind of jagged. The animation was jagged just for fading, which is weird. Like I didn't understand why why that was happening. But uh, as soon as I switched it to like a native animation, uh, or sorry, it was probably a transition, um, just just transition opacity to zero. Give it a give it a couple seconds. It it was really smooth. So if you're having issues with your jQuery animations, just take them, put them, put them into the like native JS, and that should solve your problem. Um, other than that, yeah, great great little performance piece. Uh, so I'll move on to my animation framework. So again, uh, preface this with I haven't actually used any of these frameworks. I just did a little bit of research uh, online and just chose top three. Uh, they're not exactly the top three, but they're they're three frameworks that are very popular, and they kind of represent different aspects of the of animation in CSS. So I'll start with Three.js, um, and this this one kind of blew my mind a little bit. Uh, I I don't really do too much rendering, but I have seen it before. But this this is a full 3D render capable framework, so you're able to do actual full on 3D rendering. Uh, lighting, shadows, stuff like that—it's dependent on WebGL protocol, so it, it fully utilizes your graphics card as much as your browser will give it. Um, so, if you're if you're looking to do something complex, I guess that would be where this would come in. So, if you actually want to have like maybe a little bit of a an actual like flashy render piece maybe like a, a sphere rotating for for your website in the background and maybe based on actions on the website you the sphere does different lightings or something like that if you want to have if you want to have something that flashy and you, again keep in mind this isn't really that practical if you're looking at it on an old phone because i'm sure that they can't really handle stuff like that but if you're doing a portfolio piece or if you're doing a very specific application that that you know what devices it's going to be running on then this is something that you could definitely take advantage of. Uh, I it, It's the, the downsides that I've read so far is that it's a little bit complex and I can kind of attest to that because I just looked at a quick API documentation. I'm like, okay, I don't even know where to start with this. Um, there was like camera angles that you have to att- account for and like putting different cameras there. Like it's, it's a full, it's kind of like a render suite, like you're unre- an Unreal Engine for uh the browser which is kind <laughs> Holy of crazy God. <laughs> yeah which, which i think unreal actually has a, bra- a mobile ready engine as well um but like this is kind of you're writing it in javascript instead of whatever unreal uses which is yeah that it's it's definitely interesting uh and it's apparently been around for 8 years uh so people are saying that that's a little bit it, it's become a little bit bloated uh but it's still supported so i mean it, it's it's definitely still i think worthwhile to uh to check out if if you're if you want to do something that complex, so the the next framework that I'm going to talk about is Anime.js, and this is more of a opposite scale. So this is more of a fast, like really good performance for your animations, and it and it's it's more practical animations. So doing your you know fade fading, you doing your sliding, doing your. Uh, a little bit of scrolling a little bit like stuff like that it's more it's more practical website day-to-day use animations it also can support some more complex vector-based animations it also i'm sure is dependent on webgl and can do a little bit of full of 3d rendering but it's more it's more designed to be used as an everyday uh, library where you can actually use it for your ux experience in my opinion uh, from what I read so it it's it could t- potentially replace three js from what i'm reading for for people because it's a little bit faster to start up with so again the when i looked at the api documentation because it's not doing crazy amount of 3d rendering it actually starts in a more simple spot as i look further through the api i can see that it's a, it's really powerful in the sense that it does get very complicated and it does perform it does give you the ability to do many many different things but i can see starting up with it being a lot easier and uh, and a lot quicker um, so the next thing I want to talk about is scroll reveal JS, and this is a specific library. And as the name mentioned, scroll, it's a library to do, to do a scrolling animation. So when you're scrolling down, you want stuff to pop in, you want stuff to fade out. This is what you want to use. So when you look at, when you're doing something like a simple website, a, a one pager, right. And you want like maybe your, your main three topics to pop, like, you know, have a nice fade in animation while, while you're scrolling and you want to base it on the scroll, I think this is a really good option because it's it's the lightest of all of all three. It's the easiest to implement because it's only doing one thing, right? And it's doing one thing really well. This is a really high, very popular anime, uh library, so you know it's doing it really well. And um, it's kind of like. It's kind of what I would lean towards probably when, if I need to do animations, I would lean towards maybe using a couple of different libraries. Cause I'm not going to be doing anything crazy. I'm going to be doing, you know, most of the animations that I'm going to be doing, I can probably handle in pure JS. Like I'm not going to use a library, but if I want to do something more and more fancier and I don't want to s- s- spend like a bunch of time writing a driver for that, then I'm going to probably go in and use a scroll reveal.js library, or maybe there's a tap, there's a tap reveal or something like that. Like, so Um, those are kind of my perspectives on when I would use these. So take it, take it with a a grain of salt, because again, I don't have any experience with any of these. The next time we come back, I'll, I'll have done that big animation project. I might be able to comment more on which one I chose. If I chose a a, a framework, why frameworks are important and stuff like that. So stay tuned for that. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to keep this short and I'm going to pass it off to, for web news to Matt, unless Matt again has any comments on this portion
0: uh yeah i actually did so um as we've mentioned several times in the show i'm not really a guy that would use frameworks libraries and stuff too often like i will if i need to and i will if it's going to help me a lot but i kind of stay away from that and i like i mean i just installed vs code i was a notepad plus plus guy so but one thing i will say is that i put i put animations complex ones specifically i put complex animations into the same realm of using canvas. Now I know they're totally different things, but what I mean is is in terms of doing something complex on canvas and doing something complex in in uh doing an animation. It's like I understand how to do it generally, like it's like I understand I got to move it here, I got to use these keyframes, I got to use this whatever to keep it in the animation space. Same with canvas, it's like I understand I need this like layer and I need to move this here and blah 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 blah. But one thing is is that it's very uh, tedious and it's like at times, like if you look up, if you're trying to do something very complex and you look it up, especially in canvas, uh, to, to, to go a little off topic, especially in canvas, if you look it up and it's like, you have to do like the, all these crazy grids and know like mm-hmm. the coordinates and that type of thing. I kind of equate that type of thing, that kind of monotony to, uh, an, uh, an animation understanding like, Oh, I translated by this many degrees and <laughs> I got to move it back over. Like it's, it's, so I, even I would use a, an, an, like a library, So like I said, I'm going to expand my knowledge and I'm going to probably do that without using a library. But if, when it comes to, if I needed to do some crazy thing or something super common, like the scroll reveal, there's no point in me reinventing the wheel and, in and doing it. Because at the end of the day, it's like, I'm going to come up with like a a dev team, as far as I understand it, a dev team, or even maybe one person, I have not looked this up, but somebody made scroll reveal and they did that by like making just that. If I'm trying to do the same thing as scroll reveal in a single website, I'm not going to do it as well because I'm focusing on the entire project. Whereas when somebody made scroll reveal, their project was scroll reveal. So that's just an example because when you start getting into these complex things, it's tedious sometimes, it's monotonous a little uh, it's monotonous if it's complex and it can hurt your performance very easily if you do it wrong or do it in, inefficiently. So that's just something to keep in mind is like, even this, I would look at scroll reveal. I wouldn't like, it's the same with like light boxes. It's like, I could make my own light box every single time. First of all, that's boring. And second of all, like why, you know, I'm, I, I if, if that library disappeared tomorrow, I could make my own. Of course, that's kind of the important thing to me. It's like, Oh, I understand what's going on here. generally, I'm going to go use this thing because it's quicker. Mm -hmm. That's kind of, that's kind of where I sit with this type of thing. So just something, something of note, uh, kind of a personal point there. Um, so we're going to move on to the recurring segment web news. And this one kind of complements the app overload thing, um, with a little bit of differences, of course. So it's, it's titled inconsistencies and separation. So, uh, you'll see the, you'll see the parallels in a moment with the app overload web news from a few weeks ago. But I'm going to go through here, I'm going to go through a few of the points, and then of course we will go through and have a discussion on it. So, most, most of the inconsistencies that I can think of are between mobile versions, so whether that be the mobile website or, the, or an app, um, versus desktop apps or even like a desktop full site. So, for example, I can't check a publication's stats on the Medium app for Android. I don't unless it's hidden somewhere I can't find it I don't know where it is but when I go on the PC I simply go to the publication and I can just go and look at the stats I have yet to find that on Android and like why like why is that something that's not on mobile I understand sometimes you need something that you know maybe it should be on desktop because a mouse and keyboard is is the way to do it and so they don't want to give you the option to try to like awkwardly do it with your finger you know because it's less precise I understand that but looking at statistics come on guys. Um, Facebook app. So the Facebook app has inconsistencies and in my opinion, glitches across the desktop and mobile app. So sometimes like a window will appear, like it'll be like, Hey, we're going to give you $5 to boost this post. And I'll like, I'll go in there and I'll like, I'll kind of poke around, read it or whatever. And I'll accidentally close it. And I have no idea how to get back to that window. It's just gone. Just just gone. Like, I don't know where it is. And maybe, the, and, 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 and to bring it back to inconsistencies. Um, we recently had like a few likes on a, on one of our posts. And I went in there and, and, you know, Facebook is one of the, one of the notifications was, Hey, you should really go in there and invite the people that liked your post to like, like the page. So I said, Oh, that makes sense. So I go in there and it opens up an interface and this is within the Facebook app. So it opens up an interface and I went to go click invite on people. So there was an invite and a ban button on each person. So I go and click invite. And normally with Facebook, there's some sort of indication that I've done an action or like, even like I'll click a button it there'll be an indication I've done an action, like, it'll say invited, and then the button's invalid, because I've already invited. I kept trying to, like, send people invites, it wasn't doing it, it was not, like, it, there was no animation, nothing, it would do, like, this weird, like, hover slash click effect, because I was on a phone, and to, like, indicate it was, I was indeed clicking the button, but it wasn't actually doing anything, it didn't say invited, didn't do anything, didn't remove the person from the list, so I have no idea what was going on. In the middle of doing that, I noticed that, the, like, the, the pages manager Inside of the Facebook app was a little bit different. Like it it, it was like, oh, you can quickly get to your pages. And this is like a kind of like a new layout. So I assume it had updated the previous night. So I went into the page itself rather than clicking on the notification. Went to the page itself. Went to the post. Did the same thing. It comes back up and I still can't click those invite buttons. I then installed the Pages Manager app or the Pages app, whatever they call it. It's like a separate app that Facebook uses for managing your pages. I then installed that thinking, oh, maybe I'll be able to do it in there. No, still doesn't work. So there's like, there's just that inconsistency. It's like, what's going on here? I haven't even tried it on desktop yet. I probably should, but it's like that, like that's a glitch or an inconsistency or something like, like, like what's going on here? Like that, come on guys, Twitch, twitch twitch.tv. If you guys watch video game streamers and stuff like that, or IRL streamers as they I suppose they call them as the kids call them as uh, if you will. Um, but if you have rewards, so if you're a Twitch prime person, if you're a Twitch prime subscriber and you want to claim some of your rewards, you can't do it in the app. You can't do it in the desktop app. You got to go to the desktop site. What's going on there? You
1: can't and then, do it on the desktop app. Seriously?
0: Nope. Nope. Can't do it. That's it. And you can't. Oh yeah. If you go to someone's channel, opens up the uh, web. T- uh, opens up the tab. It. If you go to the the. Because I'm on the Windows 10 app. If you go yeah, to the Windows 10 app. On. Yeah. If you click on someone's channel, I think it's. I think it's their channel or maybe it's their vods. It just opens up the. It opens up a new tab. So I might as well just use the freaking browser version. Like it. It's useless. Like, that app is useless to me now.
1: Yeah, yeah. if you click on videos, it opens up a new tab.
0: Yeah, so, like, inconsistencies, (laughs) like, what's going on here? And then, on addition to that, I'll go in and I'll be like, okay, I'll, you can sign into Twitch on on the browser, on the phone, and then you can go to, you know, you can go into the the little drop down, you can say, I want to go into desktop mode, because they have, like, two different sites. It's kind of an older way to do it, but they have two different sites, you know, a desktop and a mobile version. So, you do that, and then the stupid thing, for me, opens up the app. So it's like, okay, now I got to go incognito. I got to sign in again. And then I got to go request the, the desktop site, which is a terrible experience on a phone. I got to zoom in. I got to go find the little thing. I got to click it. And it's like first world problems. I understand, but come on, man. Like, like who, who, when they went through this, this, this UX, who was like, us oh, is fine. Like if a person's no on one. the go, who cares? That's like, come point. on. Like why? Who's at their computer all the time? And I, and I guarantee these kids are on, I mean, I've never tried the tablet version, but I guarantee these kids are on their tablets or their phones and they're watching the twitch they're not they're not on a pc like that's 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 old. That's, that's an old people device now you know getting there uh or a gamer device right so anyway that's my two cents there and oftentimes, you know, just as a general statement, not anything specific to any one service, but there's often a lack of, 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 admin features in a mobile app. So it's like, oh, you just can't change your credit card information, or you just can't change certain advanced ca- account functions. It's like, again, if it's a drawing app and it wants me to use a stylus and like the stylus is only compatible with PC, so it's not going to let me draw on my phone. Makes sense. Fine. Because I'm going to have a terrible experience trying to draw with my finger anyway. Fair enough. But if I can, but why can't I just change some of my account stuff? There's inconsistencies like this, like left, right, and center. Like, you know, there's so many there's so many small ones that I don't like. I can't just like automatically think of them. But like, come on, guys, like let's get it together here. And then you have, and this is the tie-in with the app overload, you have these separation of apps. So I've already mentioned the Facebook and the pages manager, two different apps, right? Then you got the whole PlayStation experience. You got the PlayStation app or the PS app, followed by the PS Messages app. By the way, they were together before. And then you have the communities app which is on the PlayStation as well. So you got three different apps now or now you got YouTube and YouTube music. It's like, why isn't there just a music mode in the YouTube app? Like, and then there's YouTube gaming. Actually, I forgot to write that one down. Mm-hmm. There's YouTube gaming. So there's that. And I kind of understand the YouTube gaming thing with the, with maybe with the streams, but like, why isn't there just a YouTube gaming mode? Like, I don't, as far as I know, there there's a Netflix kids profile, but there's not a Netflix kids app. Maybe there is, but I haven't seen one. And even if there is, you could just go to the profile you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. why isn't that even just an option there? Um, could you actually check that, Mike, if there's a Netflix Kids app? No, I'm just there, curious isn't, there isn't. There, is, there isn't. So it's all yeah. in one. It's all in one. Like, come on, guys. Uh, another one is uh, Google, of course. We've mentioned Google Hangouts. Then there's Allo. There's Duo. Then there's Messages, like Android Messages. And that does your RCS and your SMS, which yeah. RCS is another another whole gong show, if you will. Like, it's a whole freaking disaster. Like, there's... Uh, there's like car- carriers aren't supporting it. There's like, you know, we're trying to get the roll out and it's like, why didn't you just keep up with hangouts? Like just well, modernize hangouts. Like, what are you doing?
1: I've had RCS since it came out. Cause Rogers was one of the first adapters and right. I've never, never in my life sent an RCS message.
0: How do you do it? If I may <laughs> ask.
1: You just supposed to, it's supposed to be SMS, right? So if another person is on Rogers or on an RCS capable carrier, as yeah. far as I know, and he has an Android device that is capable of doing RCS and is also on an RCS capable thing. And if you oh have my that, God. Okay. you can send a message and it should automatically detect and tell you that it was an RCS message. But the problem is, is that it doesn't work across uh iPhone and Android. And like, unfortunately yeah, I do have, I do send a lot of messages to people on Android, but I think most of them use WhatsApp anyway. So that's, gone like rcs doesn't apply to whatsapp and the ones that i do send a pick uh, uh text messages on are usually apple because they use imessage you oh know what i mean like gosh. like the only like, time that people don't use whatsapp are, are the people that use imessage exclusively because imessage is actually a decent solution unfortunately again it can't send like imessage messages to android apps and they will i, I guarantee you they will never implement rcs because that's kind of killing their whole vibe of sending it to themselves like that's why bbm right the blackberry messenger held out for so long and not putting it on any other device other than blackberry because people use blackberries just for bbm people use apple devices just for iMessage
0: yeah, it's a good, like, it's a good point. Like, why yeah. would they kill off? Because they're not going to be able to negotiate all the features, I'm sure, that they've put into iMessage into RCS. Maybe like, even not, if yeah. that even if that's possible, because, like, you're probably going to have to, I'm not sure entirely how it works, but I know there's carriers involved. You're going to have to somehow go to the carriers, or maybe it's a device side thing, but, like, it's a mess. Because then you're going to have to go to each device manufacturer, especially in the Android scene, and go to, like, go to, like, oh, so, for example android messages is the default mes- messaging sms app for example on a lot of phones but mm-hmm. it's not on the samsung there's messaging i think it's called or maybe it is called messages but it's the samsung developed one yeah on 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 samsung devices mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't understand that facebook messenger on on android can take over your sms and ask you when you install it and start using it, do you want it to take over? Yeah. A lot of people just press yes for everything, so they're mm-hmm. gonna have their SMS coming through there, and they don't care. Like they just get a notification, like oh, like Bill like texted me, and they just talk to him. They don't care. Yeah. So like like to ask people to micromanage, and now you're like separating people too. There's a there's a major inconsistency right there. So you got your whole iPhone thing. Now you got inconsistencies in the whole Android thing, because you got got mm-hmm. the manufacturers. RCS is everywhere. There's different SMS apps that so some might support RCS, some might not. Mm-hmm. You could be on an RCS supported carrier with another Android guy that has an RCS supported carrier, and you could you could have an RCS supported app and somebody else couldn't.
1: Yep. Well, I, like, I don't I don't know if Facebook messages supports RCS. And you're right, a lot of people use that as their SMS app. So there we go. There's another hurdle.
0: Like, like, like it, this is, this is just, this is chaos at this point. Like, this is, this is utter chaos.
1: Like, uh, it was, it was supposed to be the answer to iMessage it, iMessages for Android, but then it, it almost, well, I mean, it, it didn't, it, nothing is hindered by it, but it also doesn't help anything.
0: I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't know why they just didn't, first of all, if they want to go to Allo, fine, then shut, Google Hangouts shuts down that day, in my opinion. Yeah. You get, you get a support day. And you say it's ending in three months, but we're not supporting it anymore. And we move into to Allo. You yeah. don't move to Allo, I don't care. But you're in- Google. You're huge. Just do it. Like, in- just just do it. But like, instead,
1: instead, they released another version of Google Hangouts for business. Oh, my so they, God. So they, they, they released Allo, released Duo. Now, Allo is failing. They've admitted Allo is failing. So that's probably going to go away because this is Google. And then they've released another completely separate application again. For Google Hangouts Business or something like that, I'm going to check what it's actually called. But it's not, like in other in other points for the inconsistencies, it has n- no common design language with the current Google Hangouts. So you can have Google Hangouts on your phone and another application called Google Hangouts with, with it, something at it's the totally end, totally different, <laughs> and it's it's not even close. Like you're not, you can't even navigate them the same way. Like. I I don't I don't understand that. Like Skype does the same thing, right? Skype for business is completely different than the regular Skype. Uh I've
0: used it once, tried to send a message, it didn't send and then stopped. Now yeah. admittedly, that's a very low low effort exposure to. It God knows because we yeah. just set up our account at the time.
1: So- but I'm. I'm going to send you a link right now, Matt. Uh, the Google Hangouts for Business. We, we've used Google Hangouts a lot, just just a precursor to this. So, we we know the design language and like the UX experience. Here here is Google Hangouts for Business. Just like a few screenshots of it. There you
0: go. Oh God, here we go. It's called it's called Google it Google
1: Hangouts Meet. Has almost the exact same logo.
0: Yeah, yeah. It almost has the duo camera thing. I think yep. I want to say with like the with like the Hangouts like speech bubble icon
1: yeah. and literally none of the design language and i mean absolutely zero represents anything from google hangouts
0: it is it is material design but it doesn't look material design for me well it's
1: me. new it's the new material design or it's like a, a different either way they've they've looked at google hangouts or I've, i'm guessing actually did not look at google hangouts and they're like <laughs> hey let's make another hangouts application without any of the same design language but let's call it hangouts yeah and let's uh, not, and let's only do it for, like, I don't know. I'm
0: Just call it, or just rebrand Google Hangouts as Allo,
1: and then have Allo for work. G, G Suite Messaging for Business or something like that. That's a terrible name, but, like, it's still better than naming it the exact same thing as your messaging app and then making it completely different. Again, inconsistencies. Like, it, you're right that there's too many of them across the same developers, across the same massive companies that don't have any right to, to do that. Like, have one standard for, for design. And then update the standard and be like, listen, you guys have six months to a year to update your standard, get it up to date like get no.
0: yeah like get like get it done like what like what's going on here like th- yeah. it uh, we have um i'm just I'm just gonna flip through here, but um so we have actually I have one written down and I'm gonna check on something actually because there's a major inconsistency in the Google home app that, just, that tries to be crazy but mm-hmm. um so we have Google podcasts of course, that's the new podcast app by Google right mm-hmm. for a while we've had. Google podcast, I'm going to personally call it the Google podcast assistant applet because I don't know what it's formally called. So you could go to your Google assistant, which I'm not going to say the keyword because I have one behind me at the moment, a Google home, but, um, you could say, you could say your keyword. So you could say Google play this podcast and then, oh, I thought she activated That scared me. (laughs) Um, uh, but you could say, you know, play this podcast and she would do it. And what it would be is you would actually be basically a Google podcast thing. The thing is, is that if you did that in your phone, in the assistant app, it would actually open up essentially Google podcasts. Mm -hmm. It would actually open that up or like, like a little applet of it. And it would like play it and do whatever, anything else. Now, in terms of the home experience, in terms of, 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 wirelessly saying what you want, like you just, you just say what you want. I want you to play this podcast and it'll pick up from where you want. You can do the next episode and stuff. It's great, okay? That's, it's fantastic. That's fine. From what I've seen, and I don't know whether this is a bug because I've only done it once. So full disclaimer. It did not sync my play history with the Google Podcast app. So there's that. Here's another thing. If I want to cast, because I used CastBox primarily as my podcast app. If I want to cast to the Google Home or to the Chromecast, I can do that in CastBox. I cannot do that in Google podcasts, but there's a, but the Google podcast assistant applet is essentially activating and essentially doing the cast in the fricking on the fricking device without me doing anything on my phone, without me saying anything or sorry, with only saying something. Mm -hmm. What is going on? And there's no, there's no desktop version of of Google podcasts. So there's that. Like, we're on there because, like, people use Google Podcasts. I'm not saying it's a bad app. Like, there's there's some missing features here because it's, like, essentially Gen 1. But, like, at the end of the day, it's like you're a massive company. I understand this. I understand yeah. it's hard to develop things. But, like, why isn't there all these other features? Why isn't there casting? Like, why isn't there this? Why isn't there that? And last I checked, and I haven't checked in a couple of months. I'm, I was going to look it up, but I'm not going to go d- diving into an app at the moment. But the last I checked in Google uh it's either Google home or the Google Assistant settings. I don't remember which one i can't I think it's Google Assistant actually I can't set oh here she goes she just said she doesn't understand. <laughs> I can't set um I can't set YouTube music as a frickin' music provider yep what why isn't that done people well, are like oh it's a it's a f- for gen one this should be gen one you should have all of, you should have that. You're trying to sell me your, your, your home products. What's going on here? It's like, it's like, honestly, if I, if I could, you know how good it would be to have like, have like YouTube. Like if, if, if you were a Spotify premium subscriber, okay. And Mm -hmm. let's say you don't care, you don't care about like, like Spotify can be active, can be made the default music player of your Google assistant. Right. Yep. If, if let's say you don't care wh- about spotify and you just want to flip around and you you really like that youtube premium subscription well you could you could hypothetically drop spotify grab the youtube premium subscription but then you won't be able to wirelessly talk to your device to freaking use youtube music why is that uh, like it should be that that's such a that's such a U, that's a such a ux problem yeah it's no. inconsistent as hell
1: Yep, it's inconsistencies, and like it, it's 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 frustrating when other apps do it so well, like Google apps do it so well, and then all of a sudden they release an app that can't do it at all. Like it's you know that you have the engineers that can do this, and you're a massive company. Just you, and no one was expecting this to come out. No one's like waiting for this for this Google YouTube Music thing to be like, oh man, I you know what? If they don't come out this month, then that's it. I'm done with Google. That's it. I'm freaking done. These guys are bastards like no one's doing that. So they just wait another month, implement this feature that everyone needs to switch to it and then release it. Implement all the features of your previous application that worked just fine, that had a few few problems with it, like that you could have actually just taken and fixed. But no, 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 this is Google. So that's ridiculous. Let's let's just leave that aside. No, take those features, implement them into your application, build upon that, make a new better UX or whatever, make a new application, release it. That makes sense. Don't strip all the features out, make four features. Oh my God, four features work amazingly. Congratulations. <laughs> 90% of the other applications out there can do those four features amazingly. And then you, you come in and you're like, oh, here's another one to add to the fire. Here here you go. But it can't do any of the other stuff. So don't worry about it. No, like that's, that's not. And then, okay. While we're on the topic of YouTube music, my biggest gripe with YouTube music, and I have a subscription to it, uh, because I have a Google play music subscription. So they get, they give you access to it. um, why does it fill up your history in youtube and all of your like you know suggested content becomes music when you listen to freaking youtube music like
0: oh that's if, fucking if, stupid i didn't yeah, know if, that if yeah,
1: if you have two separate applications <sighs> why are they why are they all of a sudden sometimes linked and sometimes not linked like what why why would anyone think that i would want to view the the music that i'm listening to on the desktop site or even on the YouTube app, why? Wh- who thought of that? Like, who thought that that was a great idea? It's like, oh, this guy's listening to, uh, I don't know, like some chill hop or something like that. Let, let's let's fill up his entire freaking recommended YouTube thing with chill hop. Even though he watches tech videos, he subscribed to a bunch of tech videos. He subscribed to coding on 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 YouTube. No, no, no. He listened to chill hop music once. Nope, that's it. All of his recommended content, <laughs> his next content is just chill hop. So I can't, I can't, I personally cannot and will not use YouTube music just for that reason, because it's just, I like my, my YouTube recommended stuff to actually be recommended. Cause sometimes I find something new on there. Like it's a pretty good recommended recommendation engine to be fair. Like YouTube has very good technology for that kind of stuff. But when, when I listen to a random song on, on YouTube uh, music and it fills up my entire recommended with random songs that I don't want to listen to when I can just go into my U- YouTube music app and literally click on recommended it's just yeah that's my that's my mini rant on youtube music I, I i hope they get that gets fixed i don't know if that i know that people have brought that up as a bug but i'm sure that youtube the youtube music team has been like no that's a feature everyone wants that
0: well as as a as a brief uh a, so, or a brief related note on that actually i just opened up the settings yep. and youtube music oh. is actually available as a default music thing in google home now in okay. the in the home app slash assistant app because i think they're the same and it says here, YouTube Music, free service available when using a screen, YouTube Music premium required on other devices. Because I remember before you could not set Google YouTube Music, but you could set YouTube and have the screen on as the music provider. Yeah, yeah. So now it's like they're together and it says YouTube Music.
1: So just a, well, okay. just it's, bringing that up. But but the point was that it wasn't on launch, right? Like it wasn't there at launch and that doesn't make any sense.
0: That doesn't make any sense. And, and then your point, your point too, like I should have a music profile like Spotify. Yeah part of spotify if it has like it it has like the uh i saw people tweeting like they have like their daily mix or whatever and they like share their their playlists and all this stuff and they do that i think in 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 apple music as well but it's like why is it that youtube doesn't have a a separate like why isn't it like my username dot music essentially you know why isn't it like that and if i want it both like like I why can't I set it? Why can't I just say like, oh, I want the merged because like maybe some maybe you just listen to music and then you sometimes watch music videos and maybe that's all you do. fair enough, you want your subscribe you want your things to be the same do it, but like why isn't that that's so stupid yeah that's, that's, it's, that's it's, so it's, stupid.
1: It, yeah, it's the most ridiculous feature I've ever seen like and the the funny thing is is that the, it, there's so much room here to put a music tab, like just go to youtube dot com and put a music tab somewhere. I can't even access YouTube Music from youtube.com. Like how do I even do that? Why are they together? Like what Like if I type in YouTube Music, I'm I'm just going to do this live on while we're talking here because this <laughs> is
0: we have already had like three or four live like checks. Yeah, there we go. So, so if I type in
1: YouTube Music, it's the same goddamn page. Like what <laughs> Why can what, what, I not so access what, Wait, this? what's
0: the problem exactly? What's the problem with that? Like what's what, what's happening exactly?
1: It's what's happening is that like if I go to YouTube.com, mm-hmm. how do I access just YouTube music? Is there a web app for YouTube music or are they just expecting me to like listen to videos? Is that what they're expecting? Like well, if I go...
0: Uh, if... That's a fair question actually. Is there is there a separate web? Oh yeah. Yeah, there is on the right. You have to use the app grid. So I clicked on like the app grid and there's YouTube TV, YouTube Gaming, YouTube Music, YouTube Kids, Creator Academy, YouTube for Artists.
1: There we go. Okay, there we go. Now I got to YouTube Music somehow. Like I can Google it. I googled it and got here. So if I if I listen to a song now, that's
0: weird that you googled it and couldn't get there.
1: Yeah, that's a weird. Exactly, that's another inconsistency. So I had to go on and click on that grid because that's very intuitive.
0: But this is what's stupid is like I mean if if, if what you say if what you say is true here, like this is a separate app that kind of looks like Spotify, which is fine. I'm not dissing the design, whatever. That's fine. It looks Looks like it's fine. I haven't used it. Yeah. Looks like it's okay. Fair enough. Right. But why is it affecting? We went to a separate app here now. Yeah. Why is it affecting YouTube? And also by the way, I don't know how to get back cuz that that little app icon is gone. Yep. Where's my like how do I switch back? I can, I don't think I can. I actually I mean I might be able to, but I <laughs> I I can obviously go back, but it's it's music I'm I'm now at music.youtube.com. Where's that like little app grid? It's like the you know the nine squares. Where's no, that, where's a, that?
1: It's gone now. Again, inconsistency in design.
0: Oh my god, like this was, this was one of the things that we tried to push on one of our clients was I said, like, we should have the same nav bar because he, he like runs like a membership site. And I said, we should have the same nav bar across all your sites and then have a switcher and it just changes the color and people will get used to switching. Like, cause it, it, it's, it's, it's inconsistent otherwise. Like it's all over the place. Like yeah. now I gotta, like, I mean, again, now I gotta go back. It's not like it's the biggest thing in the world. Right, that I have to go back, or I think it actually opened a new tab, so I could just go back to my other tab. But why isn't there a way to switch back? Like it doesn't make any sense. It's uh,
1: can't I can't I, explain it. I don't I don't know what to like. I don't know what to say because it's frustrating as hell.
0: And actually, I'll bring this up because I said I was going to Reddit. Holy Lord! Okay, yeah. going to Reddit. Okay, now i'm in canada i don't know if it's a if it's a geolocation thing i'm on chrome on windows 10 maybe it's that i don't know but what i did was i went wa- i'm signed in i go in there and i like create i click like create new community or whatever i click the create a subreddit button essentially and it says we'll redirect you in a moment now i'm on the redesign okay click that click it on the redesign it doesn't take me anywhere and it says you know if we don't redirect you you know click this button click the button all it does is take me back to the page so i'm like okay i don't know what's going on so i go and I, I use the old reddit i say go to the i don't i don't opt out of the redesign i go to the old reddit specifically takes t- makes me some oh, makes me sign in again so i sign in again no big deal right now signed in now i click the new reddit button new subreddit button it takes me through and it's like you know do your name you know your title your sidebar you're this you're that you're all of okay fair fair enough so i do all of that okay get it all set up get it running now it's now it like takes me to the subreddit and I'm messing around in there, but I'm in the old. So I'm like, okay, I want to see how it looks in the redesign. Go to the redesign. This is where the trouble starts. It doesn't do the same spacing in my description as it does on the other one. So that's good. Just couldn't figure out how to fix that. So I said, okay, you know, for now, whatever. It was supposed to be two paragraphs. It's one. I don't really care. It's not a super long piece of content. So then I'm like, wait a second here. All my rules are in the sidebar. Where are my rules? Can't find it. Don't know where it is. Go over here to the mod tools in the redesign. And that's where I'm supposed to put my rules. But my rules don't appear on the old Reddit. So now I got, now I got an old interface to edit stuff. By the way, some of these mod tools take you to the old site. So an example. I was going through. And I said, okay, let, let me set up some flares. I want to have, have some post flares for... Uh, I believe I set up guide, maybe podcast, and something else. I forget. Set up a couple. And then it says, hey, do you want a custom class? And I noticed when going through in the redesign, the appearance thing, that there was a CSS button. So I said, okay. So I went through and I I like did like, I don't know what the classes are, guide, flare and whatever, right? Something readable. Mm -hmm. Set them up. Then I go into my appearance thing, find my CSS. And when I hover over it, my cursor turns to an X or like a little like cross out, like the, almost like the no smoking sign. So I say, okay, okay. I don't know why that's not working. So I Google it and there's a post from a while back. And somebody's like, hey, like, I can't, I'm setting, like, custom CSS, and, like, I'm setting, uh, like, a, a, you know, classes for my flares, what's going on here? So, 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 there's, like, and this is a Reddit thread, so take this with a grain of salt, but there's a, there's, like, a, a discussion about people doing it, and it's working for them, and they're just, like, talking about the differences, and I said, well, I can't get this to work, so I googled it again, with the redesign, couldn't find anything, so I Google CSS with the redesign, like, why can't I set my CSS. Then there's a little thread that's just like hey like you know I, want, I I see CSS in the appearance thing why isn't the CSS available in the in the redesign and somebody's like like I think I think it was like a mod or something it was like uh there isn't any or something like that and he's like well when will it be available I don't know or something like that it was really like nonchalant like oh we're unsure like it was <laughs> it was professional it was professional like to be clear like it wasn't anything stupid but it's like okay but why wasn't the redesign released with CSS like, 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 there's some things that are MVP, I understand, yep. but was releasing the redesign, and I believe this thread was from 2017, was releasing the redesign with so many problems where it had to refer to the old Reddit and it didn't redirect properly, and there's things missing, and there's like, because like, I had to, to get the rules to work, there's a whole different rules tab, and it, people were like, well, if you had referred to the, the subreddit for mods, you would know that there's a whole new rules area. It's like, dude, like... I'm trying to set this up. I'm not a professional Redditor. I just want to have a subreddit. I'm trying to use your website. Why isn't it easy and intuitive? And it's inconsistent as hell. I'm being taken to the old site, the new site. I'm setting I'm setting classes for flares that don't apply in half the site. Then I gotta go back to the old site sometimes because sometimes the redirects don't work. I gotta explicitly go to the old site, re-sign in, do that type of stuff. But if I accidentally click out and it takes me to the redesign, now if it didn't take me to a new tab, I've lost the old. So I gotta go, I gotta browse back to the old, go back through the menus. Like this is like this is not good. This is not good. And yep. this this t- this touches on we had we made free photos Hamilton and the we made the UX for the people posting the pictures not that great. And we thought it wouldn't be that bad, but it's so bad that we don't even want to post pictures. It got to that like that was a lesson. That was a lesson learned. It was like, <laughs> holy Christ, I gotta make us I gotta make a compressed version, I gotta upload that. Then I gotta zip it, but only in some circumstance, and then I gotta upload it. Like it was a mess, right? For, yeah. It was our first like kind of big project, so obviously it was a mess. It worked and it still works. You can still download stuff, and the UX for people is fine. But that's the lesson learned is we want a good UX too. Mm-hmm. This is not good UX for the mods. I'm telling you right now, this is, like, to my honest opinion, this is not good UX. The redesign looks good, but why, like, what's going on here? It
1: looks okay. I wouldn't say it looks great.
0: I would say it looks better than, I would say I like the top bar a lot myself.
1: I don't know. I think it takes up too much wasted space. I'm a big fan of, like, just the old Reddit. It might be just one of those things where I just can't get, like, haven't gotten used to the new Reddit, Um, but I really, really don't like that they've closed down so many APIs because all these extensions like uh, res the reddit enhancement suite will not be able to work um, and I, I literally rely on that for for reddit like I don't I don't know if I'm gonna be able to use reddit when they fully like integrate the new redesign just because I think, they, I,
0: I think res is still working though, it,
1: right? like, it I think 90% of its functionality has been stripped out because uh, it, like and they've released a statement saying uh, they will not be able to add the functionality back in because the new redesign closes out a bunch of apis that they were using.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, this is... Well, this is the whole thing, right? Whereas I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not... I don't want to comment... Like, I don't actually know... I'm not an insider, and I know their intention. Of uh, Reddit's intention. But just as a, an onlooker, a lot of these companies are trying to close out their API. Do you remember that there used to be third-party Netflix apps?
1: Yeah, yeah. That was mm-hmm. a long, long time ago, and, but...
0: And those are gone now, though. And I think well, it's the same mentality.
1: I think it is. I think you're right. Uh, because, they, well, Reddit needs to monetize like they they don't make money reddit is not a money-making site right now like i mean they they cover their costs and maybe make a tiny bit of money but they're not like scalable to make money so they're they're trying their best to be able to appeal to the people and to be able to somehow make money in the end like with advertising so they're trying to make a layout that's more i guess sponsored post friendly is my guess right now they have Luckily, they have the uh, disaster of Dig doing the same thing to look back on and not do. So, th- Oh, that's... Dig
0: dig this? The little share button I remember
1: back you in the You remember day? Dig? Yeah. So mm-hmm. Dig, would, like I was there for that. So I was I was using Dig. I, I don't know if it was like 2.0 or I 1.0. I don't remember. There was an upgrade from like 2.0 to 3.0 or 3.0 to 4.0. And they just did it overnight kind of thing. Oh, they God. were talking about it a little bit. But then they all of a sudden just did the upgrade overnight and... Usually, you know how, like, there's just a bunch of, like, people complaining that they don't know where everything is and it's a shitty upgrade. Like, it's just terrible. And usually that goes away and ta- tapers off and then people get used to it.
0: Kind of like Facebook. Yep. Like like this group a hundred times exactly. to get to get the old Facebook back. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. So that stuff like that. Dig, what literally happened was they did the over, the redesign. Everyone, everyone, and I mean absolutely everyone on the site was like, put it back or we're leaving. And they're like, no, no, no. This is the new design. We like it. Everything's good everyone left oh my god everyone went to reddit and that's how reddit like became popular the dig downfall was reddit's uprising like is dig still a thing go to it like it is still a thing but it's it's hardly anything that it used to be like dig used to be reddit and it could have stayed reddit if it just didn't do the redesign that, that that reddit is attempting to do but they're doing it more elegantly
0: That's a new, it's a new site.
1: It's a new site now. Yeah. So it's not, it's nothing like it was before. Like it used to be, and I'm, it used to be Reddit. Right. Wow. So it was crazy. Like that, and it's taught in school. It's taught in like school now and stuff like that, that you don't do what dig did. Uh, there are circumstances to doing something against all of your, and all of your fans and stuff like that. And they did it for the exact same reason, right? Like they did it because they weren't making any money and they needed a, a layout and a, and a back end that could generate sponsored posts and like it could could put people could make people click on that kind of stuff which i mean it in one sense makes sense because somehow you need money right like you need revenue but they unfortunately flipped a switch that they could not flip back or they refused to flip back and that killed them so
0: oh my god like that's su- that's such a mess too it's yeah. like I mean, they could have flipped it back, but they just didn't.
1: I'm you know assuming, I mean? yeah, exactly. They just didn't because they were being, like, headstrong. And, I mean, they were doing the same thing that, like, Facebook, right? Like, Facebook, they knew they knew about that beforehand because Facebook had done it probably, like, three or four times by the time they predicted it. And they're like, well, Facebook's still around, and it keeps going up. Like, they have a little bit of a dip after, and then they go up even higher, so why can't we? But, unfortunately, it didn't work out to them because at the same time that they did that, Reddit kind of came in and took all their users. So they I guess they were thought that they were too big to fail, but I think reddit's doing it like a better way because they're doing they're kind of doing it slowly and actually taking users' uh thoughts into account but i don't I still don't think it's gonna go well for them
0: i think i think uh i think i read well i i i know i read an article on medium actually about that where you uh Facebook uses the data and or i don't know whether it was a, like whether a person from facebook or whether it was just an onlooker but they said that facebook like people will freak out whenever there's like a change mm-hmm. but they say that facebook just sticks with the data like they've done the research on the redesign and they're like no this is going to be better like we know it's going to be better yeah we know you're going to freak out but we know you're going to stay and we know it's going to be better exactly so i'm wondering whether dig just i i mean i wasn't there for it but like mm-hmm. maybe maybe they didn't do the research well enough or something well for if sure
1: like they they for sure did not do the research well enough that's goes without almost almost without saying because like because of the consequences i think like if facebook did a change as severe as what dig did even they couldn't have withstanded it although facebook is a different animal because there's really nothing that could replace it right now there's stuff that's tried that little elephant icon i can't remember what the website's called but when when facebook was going through it's like massive privacy issue that they leaked all those things to the uh that london company or whatever whatever it was called um they uh, like a bunch of companies tried to come out of the woodwork and be like oh listen we're facebook alternatives but they they went pretty much nowhere so there was like that
0: instagram one that like blew up for like a a day and a half and then suddenly like it went crazy like people went crazy and started deleting accounts or something
1: exactly so like it's just i i think facebook is too big to fail at this point at least not in a in a dig sort of way like dig i think was almost next day failure like, it was so quick. I've never... I've never... I, I use the site extensively, like, every day, just like I use Reddit. And I stopped using it immediately. That's how bad the redesign was.
0: Holy God.
1: Like, literally, nothing worked the same way. Everything was just terrible. All the upvoting... Like, everything was just completely redesigned. And functionality-wise, it was just bad.
0: How do you... Do you use the redesign on Reddit? No, I don't. You don't? I so ha- when they So, when they before. force it, if they are you going to that's like, are you gonna that's my around?
1: question like i don't I, I rely on the reddit enhancement suite a lot for convenience right. like um so unless they like they have taken some of of what Reddit enhancement suite does and implemented it into the actual base application which is fair uh, if they do that for at least most of the features i'll still use it like i'll, I'll still go about and use it if they don't do it um yeah, I, I might not use it anymore. Like I, I'll try to find something something else, but I don't know. I I don't hate it as much. Or I'll tell you that I don't hate it as much as I hated Dig's read sign. And even like it's not out yet, so that's good. I think that's a good start.
0: Yeah, they're like at least like almost testing the waters, right? Exactly. Like you could opt out of it and then just be like yeah. out of it. Yeah. I almost want to do that, but then but then there's that whole thing now where now we're mods. Like now we have this whole problem where it's like, well, if I didn't fill in that rules tab and I it was and I opted out of the redesign, and then people in the redesign were were, were coming in, they don't get the sidebar tab, uh, tab, they get they get a rules tab on the sidebar. Well, so now the rules are blank for them. They don't think there's any rules.
1: You can opt in and out.
0: No, you can opt in and out. But what I'm saying is, is that if like let's say, let's say like, um, like I, I don't mind the redesign, but like let's say for example, I opted out just went on my merry way set up my my reddit because there was no rules tab in the in the setup my subreddit there was no rules section and then later i was like you know i went through my subreddit I was like oh it looks fine thinking that this that the redesign would take the changes but then it didn't because there's that inconsistency there yep then it's like you know i could which i did notice because i i started questioning it because i saw all these problems but it's still a problem you know what i mean it's still it's still an issue when when it's like when you could easily miss something as vital as rules it's like hmm i think you may need to rethink how we reset up subreddits you know what i mean
1: yeah like i'm looking at the redesign right now at least
0: i use the i use the official reddit app and i i find that it has the same vibe so i never never uh doesn't it send you
1: random notifications though for like random posts for random trending subreddits like i i don't like that feature
0: I think it did, and I think I just turned it off. Okay, fair enough. It, it's been a long time though, so I don't remember really. But I think uh, I know that Imager does the Imager app.
1: That's annoying. will just
0: like randomly be like, "Oh, this is the best photo in the awe category." It's like, "Oh, all right, thanks."
1: So immediately, what I see that I can't live without is a, a bar where it has all of my subreddits at the top or like like i can favorite a bunch of subreddits so that they can stay at the top is there a way to do that in this you know
0: and the yeah in the top in the top left the top left beside the reddit logo that's yeah. a drop down and then you can there's a favorite section
1: okay and then how does the favorite section work it just Literally, stayed... when
0: you when you star something it yeah. becomes it goes right below the reddit feeds so there's like the reddit feed section with the home popular all and original content below that it says favorites so if i click to open this little thing if i click to open okay this we, we thing, probably
1: should do this offline <laughs> i don't think well what, oh yeah i guess yeah, yeah. yeah
0: well i mean yeah. this is web news this is yeah this is yeah the, we can this is the uh this is the combo part but anyway um yeah let's, i think i, I, think, I, that I think that concludes good. the episode yeah i honestly. think we're good <laughs> I think, like, I think we, we went, this, went a little bit a of a ramble but that's fine well i mean we should like, that to the conversation yeah. part so at least we didn't do that in like one of the segments and then have to do web news after that'd be uh that'd be a long freaking episode yeah uh, but anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take the, uh, the website out now. So, uh, in conclusion, thanks for listening. Make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing on the platform of your choice. You can follow us on the social medias at HTML, every, at, sorry, at HTML, all the things that's on Facebook and Instagram. You can also find us on Twitter at HTML, everything we're on medium. We're on GitHub. Make sure to check all, make sure to, sh- to check the show notes for all these things. Remember we also have a we're also on Patreon at patreon dot com forward slash HTML all the things. Yeah. And surprise, we actually have our first patron slash supporter there on Patreon. Uh, Mike, yeah. Mike you want to give him uh, the shout out that he deserves. Oh
1: yeah. Uh, our first Patreon supporter, Grigory Richkin, uh big big fan of the show. Uh he's been actually giving us a lot of feedback as we've been as we've been going, he's been following since the first episode, so huge huge thank you to to Grisha um thanks a lot for listening and giving us the feedback that we so desperately need <laughs> heck yeah uh, i think because of him we've actually improved quite a bit so uh yeah thank you for being our first supporter as well
0: the first th- i think he was the first endorse endorser if that's a word the first endorser of the of the web news segment which has actually gotten us positive feedback from other folks as well yeah so that's uh, that's pretty exciting anyway so remember to Uh, leave a comment or a review on the platform that you're listening to this on and we are signing off